Good evening, friend, and welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How was your weekend, Mike? Uh, it was great. Let's see. Weekend. Was there anything amazing that happened? Uh, oh, yeah. Birthday party. Went to uh, my girlfriend's kid's birthday party. Nice. Kid party. Went ro- uh, roller skating. I didn't. The big news with there is that I went roller skating and I didn't uh, bust my head wide open. Okay. Okay. So you didn't fall and break that, that's your That's a hip. positive thing. Nope. No No hip. That's right. <laughs> no hip replacements needed here. Nice. Dennis. So, yeah. I, it, it was good. It was fun. Um, you? Yourself? I didn't do anything too exciting. Um, work, worked over at the house some more. Got grout in the, the tile that I grout. put up last week. Um, started grout the, is not a sexy word. It is not grout. No. I mean, it's better than caulk. Okay, that's right. That's, that's, Those two words. That's a tricky one. Um, I do My have a fair amount of, of that to do, but Hulk. I realized before I start on that on the second floor, I have another little line of trim that I want to run around the base. And now, I, trim is a sexy word. Sure, yeah. So I've been doing that. I'm still listening to... I was listening to last week's show. I was completely wrong about my summary of the Star Trek book I'm listening to. Um, okay. Martok is a Klingon general uh, during deep, the events of Deep Space Nine. Uh, in the middle, like he sort of allies back with them after they... That's spoilers for that 20-year-old TV show. But he becomes he becomes Chancellor later of the Klingon Empire. So that's why that name stuck in my mind. Um, wow. The... The character that the main story is based on is uh, Krug, who was Krug. who was the guy who fought Kirk and his like sort of protege. And oh, that that's why we got like four letters about you. The inheritance of you uh, yeah, angry yeah. angry Star Trek fans. Angry Star Trek fans were like, what? They were all over that. I was wondering what those were about. Like Martok didn't fight Kirk. That wasn't he didn't show up until a hundred years later. What's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> I, I did watch. Uh, I got watched some. Sat down and watched a couple of things that I've been. Uh, what was it behind in? I guess I finished Lost in Space, which I really enjoyed. Oh, we just uh, started that. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's like, again, fam- it's family stuff. So, yeah. I, 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 spacey family stuff, um, which is fun. And it's. I mean, it's, it's wholesome. Yeah. There's nothing too groundbreaking about it, but no, uh, yeah. you know, Parker Posey plays that Smith character to perfection. Yeah, really well. And she continues this whole season really well with it back and forth. And, you know, uh, I always thought in those kind of characters in shows, like I always wondered why they just don't kill them right away. I like how they deal with her in this one a lot because they definitely don't like her. We, and they definitely try to imprison her and do everything they can. To I'm not... sure we talked about this back when we watched season one. But Probably. Did, did you watch much of the original show? Uh, make, oh, Maybe an episode or two, like. On a Saturday morning. Yeah, or I'm kind of the same. Rerun. My dad said, you know, because, I mean, this was probably on or on reruns when he was a kid. I think it would, would have definitely been on reruns. But he yeah. said um, that that's how the original show was. Like, obviously, it would be more episodic than TV is now. Mm-hmm. So it would be, you know, like the Andy Griffith show where, like, right. you know, Don Knotts is always making the same screw-ups. Yep, yeah. Um, but the Smith character who was a man in the original would constantly like he would do something and they would lock him up and then the situation would get dire and they'd need his help or he'd be the only one with a certain piece of information or a certain uh, skill or some something. And so they'd have to just keep, uh, keep dealing with him. And it's an, it's an interesting kind of social conflict 
storytelling. It's the kind of thing uh, Star Trek The Next Generation could never do, right? Sure, Because Ro- sure. Roddenberry believed there was no interpersonal conflict in the future. For sure. Well, th- this this season, she uh, they do give her uh, character room to grow, but still fit within her character that she is. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good. I, I, I was satisfied with her this season as well. Okay. Um, I was satisfied with pretty much all of it. Again, it's 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 hard to say things on a show that there's no real stakes because you know you're not going to kill the family members off. Yeah, I mean, um, you could still tell interesting stories, though. You can, and and I so I think there is interesting because there's something that they did here in this Netflix version is that they seem to be keeping them with other people, mm. and they're they're not you know all alone in space, so. There are other characters that you could like or care about, or the situation can, you know makes you want to care about. Sure, that that those people can have very real because people do die. They they one of the characters this season struggles with a, a death that happened in the last season. Mm. So it's you know it's kind of some of those things. That, anyway, that's it's interesting, and I and I, I enjoy it pretty much. You know, popcorn type thing. Yeah. Um. And I and I en- enjoy this one except. I was really happy that they had a season two because I enjoyed it so much, but I haven't heard a whole lot of buzz about it, mm. you know, in, in my area of geekdom. Sure. Uh, so I don't know how that stands for renewals a lot. Mm. Um, and it, they weren't like right off the bat renewed for a second season. They took a little while, right? I see. And then, and then um, this season two ends on a cliffhanger. Mm. And like the whole season you know kind of ramps up to this one point and then they leave you hanging and you're like oh man you better not get canceled well they you know what i mean did that with the first season didn't they well they kind of like got off the planet i think and and did something good and then all of a sudden uh you know i think they teleported to be lost in space you're like oh the show's gonna start type thing right yeah so i guess not cliffhanger cliffhanger but definitely opened up um yeah this one was definitely cliffhanger. I so. I have just started watching um, after watching a YouTube video with a guy's uh, very concerned based on very little information about uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, he name dropped the Orville and the Expanse. Obviously, I've seen the Orville. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, I've been seeing stuff on the Expanse because I've been watching... Um, uh, HBO stuff, which I yeah. have on Amazon Prime, so in the Prime yeah. app, and of course, Expanse is an Amazon original. So uh, I decided to check that out. I've seen three or four episodes. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's like a modern day Babylon Five. Yeah, I never saw Babylon Five. It's my understanding that Babylon Five was kind of in conflict with. Deep Space Nine for the same kind yeah. of kind of fan base demographic. Sure, it's definitely mm-hmm. got that like '90s sci-fi, uh, not quite cyberpunk though. It does have a little bit of that urban uh, cyberpunk kind of Blade Runner feel in Blade, the, Blade Runner is a good yeah in the uh, yeah. the Belter part of the stories. All of that stuff is very. It's a certain kind of sci-fi that um, I think in our friends and I, well, Fox and I, and I think you chimed in a little bit talking about uh, Picard and Star Trek in general and saying like when I was 
a teenager discovering Star Trek. Um, I just loved it. And so I thought that this is what sci-fi was. Right. And I was yeah, like, right, I was sure. like, oh, well, I should I like this. I should like this sci fi. And the more other kinds of sci fi I saw, the more like the less I liked any of it. I was like, why is this all like, you know, it's very often yeah. dystopian or it's super uh, yeah. metaf- metaphysical, metaphorical, um, un- unless it's unless it was comedy. Right. I loved Hitchhiker's Guide. Sure. But of course, it's Hitchhiker's Guide. It's hilarious. Um, right. I mean, we'll come back around to this topic when we talk to our, our challenge. Our challenge, challenge, yeah. Today. Right. Um, but the show is interesting. It's kind of hard to keep track of everything that's going on. It feels like um, they're they're setting up a lot of stuff early to establish something, but it's it's definitely intense. Just in the stuff that happens in the first or second episode, with like ships getting destroyed and stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, this is. This is not uh, this is not Star Trek. Nobody here has plot armor. Um, yeah, and and they and they those things that they do in those episodes in all the episodes kind of have a lot of weight. Like they they mm-hmm. I didn't realize that when I was watching that series was that like things that are happening. Like I need to pay attention to because they talk about them the rest of the series and that ship got blown up and it's a really big thing and everyone's talking about it forever. Yeah, they I'm try like, to they try to establish it in in the like a title uh, title card text at the beginning but yeah it's this conflict there's like these three sides and they're you know on a razor's edge uh in terms of of going to war there's a thing i don't think i mentioned this last week though i'll try not to not to reference matt colville videos too much but um i watched so much of it in the last couple of weeks uh when he's he has a series um, where he's talking about doing politics in a in a D and D campaign, mm-hmm. and he opens it with the question, and he says, "Are the nations or players, actors in your world at war? And if not, why?" And it's based on this, um, um, I don't want to say political, but it's based on this on this worldview theory that. Uh, the default state of nations with conflicting goals is war. And the only times you don't have war are when one or more individuals are working very, very hard to maintain the peace. Yeah. We forget that in the modern era because, you know, we've had so little open war uh, in the last 50 years, which not to get, you know, we don't we don't get political, but I think that's mostly because of uh, nuclear deterrent. Right. Sure. Um, but before then, you know, there like things were smaller. They didn't get to large scales until World War One. But, um, you know, in, in school, you study, you know, the cause. You're like, what happened to make this happen? Well, this guy got assassinated where the real question is, what was happening before? to to keep it from happening that stopped and it yeah, was like right. like one guy in france and another guy in germany or something like that who like a, a a diplomat or or somebody in power and then when they you know fell out of power got removed from office or whatever um then the the tensions escalated until the you know fighting broke out um right 
And so that's interesting. It's inter- It's been interesting to to look at that from watching when watching other other shows. I'm watching uh, Deep Space Nine on and off, and I just watched an episode last week where uh, Cisco gets the Romulans on the side of the Federation and the Klingons against the Dominion. Um, and in order to do that, he has to deceive them. Right. And he, he doesn't want to, cause he's Starfleet obviously, but he needs, he needs help from Garrick, obviously, uh, the, the, the Cardassian Taylor. And, yep. and it's really, you know, it's an interesting, it's a really good episode. Uh, the uh the thing about like the the expanse is with that political stuff you they tell you it like you said in that right. opening thing they they tell you every time oh there's tensions but every episode that continues to go on you start to like genuinely feel it yeah like the characters that have their own stories and they're doing their own kind of things you still still feel that like oh there's the alliance or whatever it is you know comes on the thing and there's the mars people and their mm-hmm. big navy ships and you're like oh all of a sudden i feel real pressure of this kind of yeah faction, like like they know, give and, you that setup the like establishing the world but then for the first couple episodes you're zoomed way in on a couple right. of individuals and their like individual problems and conflicts and so you forget you're like wait who are who are, the, are these this is this place is that part of the belt or is it part of yeah. earth and are they yeah yeah, it's crazy. It, it just takes you a while to figure that out. And then um, I want to say it's around episode six. It All those threads start to come together. Okay. And and it, which is really good. And I have only watched like barely in and out of watching those first six episodes. But I, I, cause I was having a hard time following all the plot threads and wondering. That my big thing, too, is, you know, I wasn't sure if a show is going to come together. Right? right. Sometimes things do or sometimes they don't. This show I have read not spoilers or anything, but you know, fan reactions and stuff that it's, you know, it's worth the, the long slow burn type. Sure. thing. So that makes me feel better. And again, about after six episodes, six or seven, it starts to pay off that way where it's feeling, making me feel like, okay, not only do I understand all these things kind of, but what's important is that they're all helping me focus. Now they're all together <laughs> and now I can see the big picture and the small picture. And that makes me feel better. So it just took a while. Sure. And I need to go back. And it's funny. Once that happened, I haven't watched more. Like I, I should because I should be ready to watch it. Oh, that um, is funny. Um, yeah. I, I, not that I reason stopped. It was just one of those like, oh, we made it. Right. Now I need to take you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, it's funny. Speaking of like, uh, you know, starting stuff and then and then paying it off. I listened because I finished HBO's Watchmen and um, – Listen to the end of the Reconcilable Differences episode that I mentioned last week where they discuss it, right? And they say and they say spoilers. But the, the one guy who's a programmer had an interesting way of describing uh, Damon Lindelof's writing because he was also a big fan of um, uh, what's what's his other show? Oh, shit. Lindelof did a lot. Lost and... Yeah, but there's one, there's one in between. And all that's coming to mind is... Um, did he write Transformers? I think too, or he did. He he's in just about uh, these days. Shoot, I'm. It's gonna bug me if I don't look it up. Uh, leftovers. 
Oh, okay. I didn't watch that one. Uh, I, I didn't watch that either. But he said, you know, he's like, I'll recommend it to certain people, but I know that a lot of people won't like it. And so for him, he was observing uh, The Watchmen as a, it you know, in the context of Lindelof's storytelling style as it evolved from Lost to The Leftovers to this and how mm-hmm. certain things have improved. So um, he describes it as accruing how did he say it accruing plot debt okay i don't know if he said plot but he used the words debt and payoff right so like early in the show you're accruing debt you're you know the writer the the show is is accruing debt they're they're borrowing your attention to you know ask all these questions you know sort of certain kind of of jj abrams style yeah and then at the end you want to bring as much of that as you can together and pay it off right so that people are satisfied in the exchange he describes it in this sort of uh financial way which is which was interesting to me um but without giving any spoilers for that show um the first episode as as i said uh two of our friends on opposite sides of the political spectrum uh, found it heavy-handed. Um, I the thought. Expanse? Uh, no, Watchmen. Oh, Sorry, Watchmen. I, Watchmen. I, yeah. I, I shifted Sorry. gears here. Um, <laughs> I will say that it's no more heavy-handed than the comic or the original movie. Um, that, that that's not saying much. Yeah, I know. I know it's. I know, I know it's. I mean, in terms of like, you know. Be, uh, having a sort of message or having something to say like it still does that um but the pilot sort of sets up a lot of things that that seem like the show is going to be about i don't know if i described this on the air and it's sort of well i don't think it spoils it to describe something that happens in the first five minutes but um in in the in this world it's post the events of of the of the comic um the police officers wear masks so that they Mm -hmm. can't so they they remain anonymous and their guns are locked in their car and can only be released from the station if they call in confirming that they believe their life's in danger in in a specific situation so like already at the outset you've got you know uh police police power police corruption uh yeah guns gun control gun violence like all like right off the bat and and then the like the guy that gets pulled over is is white and the police officer is black so there's questions there of like nationalism white supremacy and you're like okay that's a lot that's a lot right from the (laughs) right right from the start all these words make me really want to run out and watch it Dennis. (laughs) right and so and so just to say without spoiling it too much is almost none of that i don't i won't say it doesn't matter because of course those are very significant personal strong issues for people but in terms of the show and the story of the show they're not as important as they seem in the in the pilot and that's a little bit of you know red herring misdirection kind of stuff um but it's definitely told in that lost 
Abrams Lindelof kind of way where there are a lot of questions asked and then at the end uh, everything's brought together. I think it has a little bit of a more positive ending than a more optimistic ending than uh, the comic did. Oh, it can't get much more dire than what the comic did. Right. It's it's pretty dark. The I I don't I don't think the ending is is quite that dark. It's a little more you know, it's a, which you know Lord knows we can use in in 2020 a little right. bit of a little bit of optimism. Did did uh is it a here's the story or is it a okay now season 2 comes type thing? Uh no, it's here's the story and and from what I heard from our buddy Fox um uh, Damon Lindelof declined a season two because he has oh, so no. It's like, just one story, then. Like he had this much story he wanted to tell. He wanted to do. He wanted to do something in the in the spirit in the in the heart of the original without just retelling it. Right? He said in some some interviews he said he didn't want to be a cover band. Um, sure. Which which is cool to me, and so I see the parallels of like, even though it's further in the same world and they have some of the same characters, it's telling a different kind of story, but still a lot of the same, um, you know, larger themes. Well, that, that, that helps, I think in my mind a little bit at least because, because the, the world and the characters are not interesting to me in the least bit, hmm. but if it's got like, a good story to it and it's like here's our story here it is and we're 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 putting it out there that's that's instead of like the world kind of like when you just talk about the expanse the expanse is about the world and things mm -hmm. that are happening in it right right and this sounds like it's a story that you watch and then it's done which sounds makes it sound a lot better sure uh, on on a more up upbeat thing i watched uh, i finally got to watch harley quinn oh yeah uh, that uh... not all of it i'm halfway through <laughs> that dc but... original yeah, yeah. Uh, Harley Quinn and Anna Witch watching later, Kenny. Um, okay, so they're yeah, both, yeah. you know, very fun. I finished season one, mostly through season two. Later, Kenny. Harley Quinn, I'm about halfway through. I really like both those shows, and I am really digging Harley Quinn. Like I watched the first couple episodes with my sister, Sarah, and she was a little put off by the first episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I can see it, that. It's, sure. It's incredibly violent. Yes, it right. is. Like this is a cartoon, but like gory levels of violence. Yeah, this is not a kids' show, and they're letting you know in episode one. Yeah, it's a cartoon. That doesn't mean it's a kids' show. It's very like Adult Swim level of uh, of cartoon. Um, and so yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm you know I'm always trying to think like why would they do that? Why would they do you know? what sort of decision, what sort of goal did somebody have when they made make, made a certain decision to go a, a certain way with something. And I, I, I'm guessing that that pilot is sort of a deterrent, right? Sure. To say yeah, like, right. this show is going to be like this. Like, yes, we're going to talk about, um, you know, a little bit gender politics and empowerment and all that kind of stuff. But we're also going to be a little crude and we're going to be a lot violent. You know, right. Harley Quinn smashes dudes in the head with a hammer and they're not cartoons now. Their heads are going to explode just like they would <laughs> right. in a Tarantino movie. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely over the top with some of that stuff. But yeah, I was I was a little nervous to watch this uh, because I'm not a big fan of Kaylee Cuoco. 
Um, oh, that's right. She did her voice. Okay, so I did. I didn't. Yeah. And the, that usually pulls me out of the the character. Well, right. And the the other uh, actress from Big Bang Theory played Harley in something else, and she did like a like a New York, um, Brooklyn accent, which is, okay. or maybe it's, yeah, it's the other way. Like the Harley Quinn character was created in the cartoon, the Batman animated series, and has a really distinct accent. But, yeah. you know, that obviously is more important to the fans than to the, sure. you know, the whoever's in charge over at DC. And so they just, they just do whatever. But the way that she voices her is fine. And between Alan Tudyk and, uh, um, shoot, Buster, what's his name? Oh, the, yeah, uh, Timothy Hale, or Tony Hale. Tony Hale, yeah. yeah. Um, like, between those two guys doing all of their crazy... I mean, uh, Tony Hale is Batman. That is a riot. Wait, he is Batman, No, right? no. no. Who, no. Uh, Batman is a guy who's done other animated stuff. Tony Hale is the little guy. Uh, oh, that's right. The, psycho. The, like the psycho, right? That's uh, now he he. I noticed. Like I knew him. Like is that is that him? Because of course mm-hmm. I've been watching Forky ask a question, so it kind of you know comes. Oh, up oh, I got you. Uh, yeah, but the the uh, the I did not know Kelly Coco. I can't ever say her name. She she I didn't recognize her, um, but I like her character in this one. It's it's good. It's fun. It's short and quick. And in one episode, she's like, uh, I can't remember. She says something like. Oh yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. So if it bothers you for the next twenty minutes, then you might want to take a rest or something. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of fourth wall breaking. Um, yeah, you know, uh, 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 Alan Tudyk just doing different, different characters in different ways. You know, ever since, uh, well, I can't think when I maybe Rogue One, but like he was the villain in Doom Patrol and was hilarious. Uh, he was. A, he's a record Ralph. He's the the king, King Candy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's done. Yeah, he's done a lot of voiceover stuff. I mean, when he was in Transformers, he was a totally different kind of character. Right. When he when he did that, so the guy does, has range, right? Yeah. <laughs> he does yeah. a ton of stuff. Well, the the it's funny. It's good. I I like uh, um, I like that Poison Ivy is kind of like a list villain. Mm-hmm. And she's her like her best friend, and yep. every once in a while, Ivy just steps it up, you know, like, right. oh no, you you're doing this now. I'm going to show you, like, that's really great. Yeah. Um, and then the the Batman Joker type stuff is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's funny, it's fun, it's it's very much the, uh, you know, I still say we have we have uh, um, Deadpool to thank for this kind of stuff. That mm-hmm. some characters are just made to be not kids stuff not even teenager stuff they just right. aren't wolverine is not a teenager character and and you, you know it's it's unfortunate he's too popular to, to take him back down but you know there's a lot of characters in comic books that are i want to say dark they're just violent right yeah. or they're just they just not necessarily violent they just don't care or they swear like it's a sailor it's just part of their character right and to take to dame it down and say gosh darn it geez willikers you know it's <laughs> not, not the same yeah, it's like we don't need we don't need any more Supermans or Captains America. Like we have those, right? Yeah. We have those. Yeah. And that's good that we have those. It's it's good, but you know, we but we can have these other things that also aren't like dark emo characters that, you know, whatever. I mean, for Pete's sake, like Harley Quinn carries around a huge hammer. 
Right. That's not going to, you know, just be a little ouchy type thing. But anyway, it, it was really fun. I really enjoy that they've made it. They've gone all the way and made it an adult type thing, which is pretty fantastic. Um, and letter Kenny is a whole nother thing. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I think you just introduced me to that. I, I don't even know how I heard that. Well, we, we watched a little bit of it at, at Gen Con last year, but that yeah, it's, it. it's so, it's so strange, right? Like yep. most of it is strange, um, funny. Who's it's, that listen it, to it? Yeah. it's, it's comedy for sure. It's that kind of comedy where it's all inside jokes or, or self-referential if you want to be mm-hmm. fancy. Um, and then once an episode, every other episode, They'll do a long, slow, slow motion with really loud music sequence. Very often it's a fight, but not always. Um, And it seems to be mostly about making fun of Canadian stereotypes. Like Canadian... Canadian people making fun of Canadian Canadian stereotypes of types of Canadians, right? Right. Um, I mean, they say that at at the outset. Like, there are three kinds of people... They're hicks, skids, and hockey players. Right. And the hicks are the farmers. The skids are the emo... Uh, not, people. Yeah, the emo kids on drugs who listen to and, and create electronic EDM, EDM. electronic <laughs> music, and dance to it. And yeah. the hockey players are the hockey players. They've got their... And they all three have their particular, like, language... That the, I mean, they're all speaking English, but their own like <laughs> phrases and, and kind of speaking English. They they kind metaphors. of have their own thing. The the hockey players have the most like not specific, but the most varied like confusing sort of metaphors. Like man, and they they just don't ever like season two. They are never letting up on those guys. Those guys have just got to be <laughs> reading cue cards off the side of the screen. Cause, just just nonstop. I mean the. The farmers, the hicks, I understand most of what they're saying. Um, right. Every so often, they have a they have a slang for something that I don't get. Like uh, dart is their word for cigarette, and right. uh, having a spit means throwing up. You know, so I have to like either <laughs> when they get donkey punch or what it was the colors when they they put all the alcohol mix, together, mix all the leftover alcohol. Yeah, if you, you're going to spit. That's what you. You're going to spit. You're going to spit. Um, and and the hockey players have that times a hundred, you know, like they say "selly" for celebrate and ship first championship. And, right. you know, they call a girl, a, a hot girl, a snipe because it's like a sniper takes a really difficult shot. Right. A hunt, hunting <laughs> right. sniper. A snipe. And so it's just like and they got Sammy's. They talk about their Sammy's all the time. Their Sammy's for sandwich. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Ferda, which is Ferda for, for boys for the boys. Ferda, my my favorite, I think, is and is getting more and more as my favorite is uh, Squirrely Dan. Squirrely mm. Dan is is that, quite the character. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, his his constant like, uh, um, what is it? Is that is that why you appreciate? Is that what you appreciate about oh, with, me, Squirrely Dan? Sister. Yeah, it's like just back it back it down about ten percent there, Squirrely Dan. Um, so. I I just love in the same way that we talked about Deadwood and it's like crude but very like complex language writing. Yeah. Um right. 
I love that about Wayne. Like he's the main character, so it's yep. so it's a little obvious. But you know, Squirrely Dan is is sort of hitting on Wayne's sister, and he's like, "Yeah, why don't you take about twenty or thirty percent off of there, Squirrely Dan?" <laughs> and so, like, right. he's a farmer. He's saying stuff like "pertinier" that my grandparents said because you know we we're in the Midwest here, right. but he still will say, uh, you know, really complex things. I don't know if I can. I can't really repeat any of it because there's there's always so much profanity, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I like the uh, when, when they're like not to be impolite, but like they just they just they have that whole thing. Uh, who was it that said it? it was probably the Family Guy guy? It was like if you say it seven times, it gets funny, even funnier every time you say it because mm. uh, they'll just say the same thing like right. over and over again, and it just gets keeps getting funnier the more they say it. Yeah, and they'll they'll take it to a point, and then they'll bring it back down they'll they'll change it up i mean the sweet spot for that is three right that's where people talk about uh right. the comedy rule of thirds right um you know they fly now but but they right but they just kept they just keep going on but that they yeah thing. nobody nobody told uh uh jared kelso uh the, about the rule of thirds. they they'll just keep keep doing it they'll keep bringing it back and right, like the goldie thing where he's like goldie this goldie that she's goldie you better goldie stop it <laughs> Right, right. Or they'll yeah. they'll do a there's a thing they start doing in later seasons where they'll start the episode with this alliteration game where okay. you know, Wayne'll say something and as many words as possible start with A and then they'll cut to Derry, Daryl, and he'll say something that starts with B. And then Wayne'll say, you know, a whole paragraph with 18 words that start with C. And then Daryl do D and they'll go through the whole alphabet and then play the, you know, it's the cold open and then they'll play the music. That's so good. I mean, they also, it's just that writing is amazing. It's not very long, right? The episodes are like 15 minutes or something like that. Um, But they're cranking them out. I think they've done eight seasons and the show only started in like 2016. Right, I know they had they had a web series before then. I saw. Right, I actually tried to watch the the pilot or show somebody the pilot, and it was with the hockey the hockey players. Yeah, but it they it showed the web pilot, so they oh, had a like, web version, and, and I they, gotcha. they meet the hockey players there. But it's a whole you should it's worth watching again, like to see what they where they came from. Type yeah, thing. I've seen some of that stuff where the, you know they're doing thing or they're explaining some of the jargon, and you can see the roots of what became the show yeah like wayne had three sisters ah on that one. so it's just but that was a web thing so anyway very funny show i think it's 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 a one of those things that you know it's unique mm-hmm. that you don't you can't convey oh it's a it's a cheers it's a who's the boss it's a whatever you know date myself but well yeah um, and like our like our buddy pete says there he says there's no one single moment that's funny and i read that and i was like what what are you talking about? Like every single moment is funny. Oh, what he's saying is you can't take one moment of it in isolation and have it be funny. If you don't know the characters and know, and I don't know that that's entirely true. Uh, so the, I, so I think, I think that very first episode of just when they comes up, you know, well, hockey players come down the other day and you know, yeah. And that just that whole sequence there is funny and you don't need to know anything about anybody. Right. 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 And I, and I think several of those you can do. I know I showed, 
the gluten-free one with the the hockey players that are like, I love my, I love gluten like I love my wife type things. Oh, like you, right. <laughs> you can just watch those, that interchange there, and find it hilarious and not know anything about anybody. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there, there's there's several in there. You just you know, just a, it's one of those that makes you when you watch it, you're like, oh, I need to watch more so I know all those things. Right. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Letter Letter Kenny's pretty pretty fantastic. I, I think it's pretty I'm glad that I have that and Harley Quinn to, to finish up. And, and <laughs> um, have you, uh, have you been keeping up with the, um, short Joneses? tracks, Star, Star Trek discovery short track? I did. I, I, well, I mean, unless there's a newer one out, the last one I watched was, um, the one that has Picard in it. Children kind of, of Mars. A little bit of Picard, but not really Picard. Um, so I watched that one when it was fairly new and then I watched it again, like the night before last, but I should watch it again. Um, how did you like those two animated ones? It's been a little while since I saw those. So let me see if I can, uh, uh remember what those are about. I'm going to, there was gonna, one with the, the tardigrade. Yeah. There was one with the tardigrade. I'm going to hit the bell really quick. So if you are not caught up on the short treks for this season up to children of Mars, skip ahead. Cause we're probably going to spoil not that they're you know they're short obviously but and i'm gonna hit the bell anyway so there's the the tardigrade one and it just that felt like just fan service as as they say when people are knocking on rise of skywalker that was that was pure fan service because they're there's a story, but they're constantly going through what I guess is original series episodes. Yeah, they're they're like, and again, it's been probably a month or more since I watched this, but yeah, they're like going back to significant events in in future history with the uh, he's carrying around an egg or something. It's yeah, it's the it's the eggs or the tardigrades. Mom finds the Enterprise as a wonderful nesting place that's and the right. robot the robot wants to kick him off that's right right and then so when when they're on the ship of the enterprise all the time there's always some kind of like cameo in the background of a tribbles are happening and then they shoot somewhere else and then all of a sudden there's another scene where um so sulu has his shirt off and it's fencing right and yeah so they're they're, they're highlights from yeah from the original series which was which was fine yeah. you know it's like, it's cool. It's yeah. It's that. It's that. What you're saying. It's somewhere between. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to how to describe that. But it's like, we talk about this. Like, what's the difference between fan service and just something that people like? Yeah, right? and I think this is just something people like. Um, it's it's leaning a little bit into fan service. Like you're not getting much out of it. If you don't get all those references, but yeah, besides the tribbles, I didn't get anything else. I kind of maybe have seen because I didn't actually watch any of those episodes. But it's like I assumed there was. You still have this cool story about the robot and the eggs, kind yeah. of across time kind of deal. Um, Wally esque type thing. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Uh, CBS trying to do Pixar. Um, the one before that had people. What one that's, was was that with Michael Burnham? Was it like young little, Michael Burnham with yeah, I don't with Spock much about that one. showing some of their backstory? I remember that being okay, except I found the animation off putting. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. 
the and then this brings us to the most recent one. Yeah, I wish I had watched that more recently so I had something more intelligent to say about it. But yeah. this so this latest one, Children of Mars, first there are a couple things that are uh you know, that I really enjoyed about this episode. Um they play the Peter Gabriel slow cover of uh David Bowie's Heroes. Mm-hmm. We could be heroes. And really slow. Yeah, that's I have that album. The whole album is that yeah. way. Um and then after they establish the two main characters, these these girls, two young girls, um they set them up or they establish them with um I think the one does a does a video journal like a log and the other has a video chat with her dad mm-hmm. or no they both have chats with their parents right um then after that there's no there's no dialogue everything's shown just in acting and imagery and the music of yeah. uh, you know this song playing um but you you still get all of it right like i mean it's only a couple of minutes so there's not you know anything super super advanced or complex to say there but you get it's all emotional right right um and and it's you go through the first half feeling like it's a teen drama type thing right mm -hmm. it it feels very like just normal high school type fights with a with a little bit of a lesson life lesson because you know you don't know what the bully's going through either type thing and then and then it flips it right away and it's like oh this this is a thing now we've got something serious happening like they're the you know the one girl the 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 first girl was not mean but like careless because she's frustrated about what's happening with with her family Mm -hmm. and the girl that she shoved is also frustrated about what and then she misses the shuttle and is late to class so then that escalates into them getting in this fight and then what i assume are the events preceding picard um the utopia planitia shipyards and and such on mars getting attacked you know then they have this moment of um uh what's the word i'm looking for shared pain or worry yeah shared trauma trauma and worry and um and I don't know. It, I found it very moving. I think just because the whole story is just told visually. I mean, we've talked before about, right. you know, visual storytelling, but you've got like um, an older Vulcan character there and um, a woman and they don't say anything. They right. look at information on pads and stuff comes up on all the screens and they they give looks at each other and they react and it's all nonverbal yeah um, I, th- I thought the directing and the cinematography was really well done yeah I mean, it, it was it really, looked really, really good. good characters looked really well uh, done it was well shot you know just a kind of high quality production on all of it and it, yeah that's what helped sure. with all of it you know the um so I, maybe you know what who was attacking mars we don't know yet is, did you like were the ships noticeable? I don't know the trek enough of that. Like, I don't think so. And and this would be Are we supposed to know or not? Well, if it's 
if it's Picard era, then it's well into the future. Right. So it um, could be any race or whatever or new. Yeah. Right. So we don't. Okay. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't sure if it's like, oh, those are Romulan ships attacking, or you know. Yeah, I. I didn't notice probably because this, you know, the story wasn't so much about that. I was watching the people, right? You know, and their and their reactions, how the the look that the two girls exchange, and that the older Vulcan exchanges with the with the human. Uh, well, we have we have Picard coming in, in our time here uh, this Thursday next week. Uh, listeners yeah. will will have it have it uh, by the time you hear this. So I'm sure this that's is, something uh, we'll be talking about next week. We've got um, we didn't talk about this off the air, but we're doing uh, what we call Fox DenCon next week. D- did you want to try and record while I'm in town? Yeah, we could probably do that. Yeah, like see, Sunday or something. See how it so works we, with we, the with the time and the schedule. Yeah, we can we can watch uh, we can watch this. I know that we were talking about watching this for uh, Fox DenCon on Thursday mm-hmm. when it comes out. So we can review that. So th- listeners on Monday will this next one will will be talking about Picard for sure. It's for on sure. CBS, so we believe that it's not like the Netflix dump. It's going to be a weekly type release, right. which just is like you know, just like Discovery, I assume. Good. Yeah, and and that's interesting because CBS has kind of their producers or their not their producers their corporate people have mm. come and said well we've already got this we don't need to have that like and, and mm. they, they and that's in reference to types of shows they're I like we're it. already doing a sci-fi show we're not going to have another sci-fi show sure so they're they are that's the I kind can see of the logic in that like you don't want show. your you don't want one of your shows to compete against the other one yeah uh, but I don't know. I guess as a sci-fi person, I'm, it's kind of like I I have the capacity to watch two shows at once. <laughs> right, right. right. I, I'm okay with that. I, I can watch The Expanse and watch Star Trek. It's totally fine. I mean, how yeah. does that play into all these networks and their endless uh, uh, crime dramas, detective? Well, right, exactly. And CBS is pr- super guilty procedural of Procedural detective right? dramas, yeah. Right. So, so CBS, you know, for some reason is old school, old person thinking of that way. And they they probably won't put Discovery out until after Picard's over, um, to, oh. which is kind of smart, too. It's like, you know, yeah. Disney should have had another Star Wars or Marvel or something lined up right after Mandalorian was over. You know, they should have had. I mean, granted, they're a new platform. So, yeah, I mean, they went stuff. through the 90s running, you know, two Star Treks at a time. So, right. I can see them saying, yeah, let's let's spread stuff out. Yeah, especially and, and when you're trying whole, to like, you're trying to make all of it quality and not you know just fill out the week with a make O'Brien suffer episode. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the, this I, I mean, my ideal thing would be that we see like this show go its its length, and then we see Discovery come on and go its length, and then after that's over, see another show go on, and because they're done from different teams, it's not like one team is waiting on sure, another team. Sure. Sure. Uh, and then you that way you always have something that you can watch. And that's that I actually believe is why you should subscribe to something is that that you mm-hmm. have an ongoing thing that you really enjoy. It's one of the reasons why I almost kept cables because I wanted to watch NFL and I wanted to watch Survivor because these are the things that I watch every week. Right. You know, and I didn't want to give that up. Um, but then when Survivor wasn't on, I'm like, give it up. I'm done. Right. Speaking of subscriptions, I almost uh almost canceled hbo but then um avenue five just started 
Yeah, I, have you? Did you watch the first I watched, episode of that? I watched the first episode. They're running. The episodes are about thirty minutes long. At least the first one. They're yeah. You know, it's HBO, so they're also doing the one episode a week. Um, it's a comedy, we'll, right? It's comedy. Um, with Josh maybe, Gad, maybe a little dark comedy. Okay. Um, yeah, you've got uh, and House Hugh Laurie, Doctor House, um, who is. It's funny. He, his character is English, but his character is doing an American accent, right? Hugh Laurie is English, <laughs> and Dr. House was American, and so he can do a flawless American accent. But uh, in the show, the American accent is part of his persona to oh, okay. to the to the crew. So it's a it's a space cruise ship, um, and. As you can tell if you watch any of the trailers, something goes wrong. Right. Um, they've got the guy who I think of as Bear Claw, because that's his character on New Girl. Um, uh, let me look it up really quick. It, are you are you are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, that's that's Josh Gad that you're talking about. He's yeah. the like, uh, um, like. Um, Zuckerberg or uh, um, Jeff Bezos or um, okay, That's, what's the guy's name? Elon people. Elon Musk. Except that he's an idiot, oh, right? Where people fro- better know him know him better as Olaf or okay, yeah, yeah, from Frozen, from Frozen, or he was um, oh, he's in a couple other things. So oh, he was uh, Lafu from from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, from the new Beauty and the Beast, and also uh, Zach Woods, who was um gabe in the office or jared in mm-hmm. silicon valley he seems so to be got, playing it's got some people is his same kind of character he generally plays it's got some um, people in it so the first episode was it fun did you enjoy it you're like are you looking for to another one i did there's there's kind of a lot going on and it'll it'll depend you know what they do with that stuff like where where it's going um but uh yeah i liked it so far um i will say I'll repeat what i said in in group chat when we were talking about it earlier i watched it last night after having seen our weekly challenge movie 2001 a space odyssey and i think also after watching the third or fourth or fourth or fifth episode of um the expanse and so to have something that was a pretty straightforward with no like no mysteries or yeah. uh, hidden uh, meanings or uh, deep uh, thoughts. Com- or... Complexities, just some fairly basic interpersonal conflict and uh, and drama. Um, was uh, pretty good. <laughs> was yeah, was fairly satisfying. <laughs> I, I bet it would. The the uh, um, the, our, our, you know HBO needs something now that they've lost Game of Thrones, Veep, and Silicon Valley. What else is there to to subscribe to them right right i've heard people have their i've heard that that true detective was only good for the first season i can't confirm or deny that that's the opinion of one of our friends so don't at me i've I've heard that too it's that it's not quite gotten the same accolades it was sure sure. that's it's hard i mean yeah that's i that's why i appreciate they did that with uh with watchmen they're like yep this is this is what it's it. This is what it is, and it's done. Like right. It was, Ho- hopefully, they they stick to that. Parts of it were a little bit rushed, but I would right. rather have something well told that's complete 
than something like Lost that runs on forever and is unsatisfying. Speaking of unsatisfying, can we go into our 2020 challenge real quick? That was a Dennis-style segue. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this week we watched Stanley Kubrick's 1968, uh, I'm going to call it Masterpiece, but we'll get into that further, <laughs> okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I think the more I say this only joking 10% that the okay. 60s were full of LSD. Sure. And and clearly Stanley Kubrick was partaking of lots of them. So because I, that dude is out there. <laughs> so I have several sort of high level thoughts. I've seen this before and I know that you have too. Yes. Um it's been at least Maybe not at least, but it's been somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 years since I saw mm-hmm. it before. Um, probably in that same kind of mindset of, I really like Star Trek, and this is another piece of uh, well-known, well-known, beloved sci-fi that, yeah, I, sure. that I should watch. Um, I felt like I understood it better now than I did, you know, whatever, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Up until the end, and we'll circle back to that. Uh, I don't know if it's even worth hitting the bell for this movie because I don't, I don't think you can spoil the ending. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a there there's a no middle there's a middle act of the story that technically has a spoiler. So I'm going to go ahead and hit the bell for that. I guess. Uh, I agree that that I also knew more i felt that i understood more and knew more this time and i think i'm actually i know because of that i disliked this movie that much more Mm. i think the fact that i actually understood what was going on what was being said and what was being tried and all of the cinema parts of it and i was really putting my mind back in like you know eight-year-old me and 83 or something when i first kind of watched this and everybody said that this was the thing to watch and then when i was 15 and trying to watch this thing and every time coming back with the, I don't understand this. I kind of want to like this because it's space and it's got cool space scenes and cool, like you said, Star Trek things. But I, I couldn't get clearly. I was too not smart enough to know the messages and things. And then I watched it again when I was like thirty, <laughs> and I thought, well, I, you know, I fell asleep. Yeah. And I watched this whole thing, and I just, I realized I know exactly what it is, and I just don't like anything about it. So. Let's see how to, how to approach <laughs> did, this. Did I put my final conclusion right up front? But <laughs> you, you did a little bit. But um, <laughs> do you want to try and summarize the plot, or would you like me to? I'll summarize it real easy. There okay. is a monolith that appears throughout human history, and it's in the apes at the beginning, and then you, they find it buried on the moon uh, in the future, and then it sends out a signal to another monolith that's hovering around Jupiter, and the plot is that humans are involved with it and that's it. There's a middle <laughs> mini plot where there's a little trek out to Jupiter by um, a exploratory people looking for this, this monolith possible new signs of life with two, two awake people and a, a computer who doesn't go insane, but he just, I don't know. He, people yeah. yeah so um watching the intro sequence again 
with a with a more open-minded view about evolution um i saw you know it starts with the apes mm-hmm. and the monolith appears and it's i don't know if i guess after watching this once and watching it again i'm trying to separate what i knew just watching it and what i picked up you know sort of googling it a little bit after sure. after after watching the ending again um the the monolith is an alien artifact of some yeah. kind and when the apes first see it they freak out and then they touch it and interact with it and right after that they develop tools right right they the one i thought it was a, meant that that it spurred on humankind but then I th- they don't I think repeat that's, that later on that's the implication uh that's the implication that i got watching that i was like oh okay so this is here and that pushes them to the next step of now they have tools and then jump ahead however many thousands of years to um what's probably the most uh i don't know if interesting is the right word but the most the most interesting while still being comprehensible part of the story sure is this this portrayal of what really is now this movie is 2001 but the technology that we see is really it really isn't that far from 2001 historical right like 2001 was 20 years ago 19 years ago um all of the technology they use for uh you know gravity and space flight and um docking procedures and all of that kind of stuff there's very little science fiction if that if that makes sense like at this sure. time in history we had not even landed on the moon no and but so, but we but i was looking up we had the uh the apollo missions had captured the the world right in the country. We, had, we had seen earth from space uh, and some of those things and so you can for me i saw this sense of like okay we've been doing science fiction since i don't know jules verne or or whoever back in the 1800s and just imagining right like the the old um silent film where they shoot a bunch of girls in in flapper dresses up to the moon and they dance around and there's a face on it and all that goofy kind of stuff because we didn't know um and now there's you know just enough of actual space exploration knowledge and technology to say like oh well there's no sound in space so every time you see something happening in space it's silent or there's you know orchestral music um when the ship docks with the thing it's spinning right it has to spin to make gravity and so the ship docking with it has to match its spin rate so that they line up it's like that one uh uh, boss level in in Star Fox on the N sixty four, and you've got all of that, and then AI. So the AI is is the connection in the main story with the monolith. Um, in that the AI is the ultimate tool, right? Like they started as apes, 
they had their first tool, which was literally just a bone, a femur, that the one ape used to murder another ape, eventually. And then their ultimate tool, which has is so advanced that it no longer needs man, right? right. And then they get from the monolith on Earth, there's a maybe larger one or the same one buried on the moon. Um, maybe because they still thought that the moon would be soft, like dust from millions of years of accumulation of dust. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. they even mentioned erosion they're, they're talking about. Right. And then they get all the way out to Jupiter where there's a monolith, the size of a planet, um, which sort of opens up, a warp a wormhole or or gateway or a portal for the one surviving crew member on the ship to go across other alien worlds and uh let's see i don't know i don't know for sure if i want to get to the end but um he gets to the end sort of lives for a day with the aliens and then the aliens try to recreate again this is a little bit from what i from what i read but the aliens come back with the space baby right it's a space baby it's an embryo literally has a space baby in in a sphere that's about the size of the earth um the the literal the literal interpretation seems to be um the aliens are they're advanced to the point where they don't have bodies anymore, right? They're right. like Q, but maybe not uh, omnipotent. So, um, and so, so you... they they reach out to, um, you know, they search out for life in other in other places and maybe help it along, right? They don't have the prime directive, mm-hmm. and they they trigger, uh, you know, the Homo, whatever the apes to evolve into humans right give them tools to start them on that path and then the humans become advanced enough that they can search for these aliens but all the all the knowledge of the aliens is controlled and contained um and so there's there's maybe theme about uh making your own choices and not being controlled but man man that that seems like that to me feels like a Wes Anderson type of exclamation art house type stuff. It that is the kind of stuff that makes people become Trump supporters. I mean it's it's <laughs> the, like I don't want to hear about how you took a acid trip and decided to make it into a deep meaning thing. It, it, we've all seen the good place and Michael talks about Doug Forsett who was so high on weed that he totally got it right with you know what the good place is. It's like, that's the, that, and that was a big joke. The idea is that, you know, when people are totally stoned and wasted, they have this totally over the top, ridiculous kind of deep meaning. And then they, they put out what I see is this kind of movie. And then they expect you to like, there it is space baby. And you're like, and then people just go like way too deep on the concept of stuff when it's a, poorly shot movie it's a poorly done movie like he spends i i i look constantly was pausing to notice when i would see that he was doing scene shots 
for five and a half minutes of the desert, you know, and you're like, there is, this is no reason for this whatsoever. There's nothing. And then he spends three minutes or four minutes on the apes, which he doesn't have to do. And then he goes into a boardroom meeting, which means nothing. And they talk about a cover story, but you know, I don't like it and you like it, but then, and it's poorly recorded. It's just terrible. I'm going to, I'm going to say something you may not like. Okay. Uh, I, I throw the word art around a lot on the show. When I use it, I generally just mean any kind of creative work. Um, and maybe there should be a, a different word for creative work. I know people talk about art and pop art and fine art. Um, I never studied art. I took one class, one semester of art history, so I have no idea. Um, and part of why we talked about this off the air, I sent you that uh, Tumblr post conversation this morning, is because I got to the end of this. Well, like I said, I watched the beginning and I was like, oh, the monolith is, the monolith is giving them tools. And once mm-hmm. they have tools, they become violent. And then the story goes from there. Um, like, I was with it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, now I understand this movie completely. There's no mystery. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the end, and I'm like, okay, he's going through a portal. Cool. Okay, he's seeing alien planets that are like, you know, how how do you interpret alien planets? You can do it in the Star Trek kind of way, where it's just like Earth, but, you know, maybe the leaves float and don't have stems, or, you know, something really kind of silly, goofy like that, or... This way Kubrick did where it's like, it's something so different from what we know that the only way I can represent it is like this, this crazy trippy kind of way. And then you get to this ending sequence and I'm like, what, what is this? And so that to me is where I, I, to a certain extent, agree with people who say that it's art in the sense that it can't be explained or understood. Um, I, I can, I can, I can be, give you that. Not because you, you get things that like topic. that, like, like certain, certain paintings, um, um, artistic works, like the Mona Lisa, right? It's right. just a portrait of a woman, but it's like the most iconic, most well-known and a thing that the artist didn't even consider finished, right? Like she has no eyebrows kind of thing but it's just the thing that you look at and you have some reaction to you feel a certain way and then you discuss it that's when when i was trying to you know google a little bit figure out what people thought about the ending i got some theories some ideas and you know one person was like no what's what's happening here is the point there was no there was no clear answer it was created as this artistic work, and now here still, 50 years ago, we're still talking about it, trying to figure it out. Well, I think the only reason that did is because a couple things, well, I'll say that real quick, is that one, Stanley, if Steven Spielberg made a movie and 
you would be like, oh, and it made no sense. You're going to talk about it for a long time because it's Steven Spielberg and he made a movie and you don't understand it. It's going to be talked about forever. And the, and Kubrick was kind of the same way. Second off, it was there was other things like that were wrapped with it, like this whole thing we're talking about, like this hard science thing that we'd never seen before. So he put these things that were that put it into our collective consciousness with this crazy art house thing. Now, moving back to the art subject, I can kind of see where you're coming from there or how people had said this thing, not you in particular, but because the way I envision this is when you go to an abstract painting uh, art, art show and they have people have taken paint, you know, uh, and just sloshed it up on the, on a whiteboard and said, look at how, how this is, or just a dot on a, on a, on a canvas. And, mm-hmm. you know, and people are sitting there and they're talking about how deep it is. And then they have long conversations about how the existential makes whiteness of the negative space makes me feel alone. <laughs> Therefore, you know, and that's sure. how this movie is. This movie is everyone taking this thing and saying it's this huge thing, which I guess when you're talking about it as art, you can't deny because art is anything. Um, right. But but as a guy that's like me watching this movie for entertainment, <laughs> it's a, a, a white canvas with a circle on it. Like That's all it is. And and that may make me drone was it droll or not intelligent enough. But here I am at 44 or now. I'm going to be 45 years old. I feel confident enough that I can say that I feel it's terrible. Like I would I can, not recommend this movie to anyone to watch. I can tell you my, uh, my fairly basic straightforward interpretation of the ending uh, of the ending. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the, the aliens reach out humans event evolve advance. Okay. Uh, they, they go through the portal and the aliens, are uh, incorporeal, uh, non-corporeal. Okay. And so when the guy travels out across through the portal to their realm, everything he sees is is something he can't understand. Right? I kind of felt that way. I actually felt completely, very much that and, way. And that's how we feel watching it. Like, you see his face, you see the stuff he's looking at, and you're like, what is this? It just gets more and more crazy until you get to this room Right, and the room is like a, um, like if you're talking about different styles of art, it's like surrealism. Yeah. Right. It like everything is normal and real, but you're like, okay, this has got to be some kind of uh, mental construct. Yeah, I, right? I felt like that he's way. left I his body with that and wow, his yeah. his consciousness is now in another plane. Yeah, that's a you know weird way to say that, but then if someone is he, trying to communicate with you in a way that they can't explain. This is maybe, you know, like if they're showing themselves, maybe they they make themselves look like you. Right. So and so feel don't feel threatened or whatever. Yeah. And so he gets there and they're like, okay cool. These people on Earth have advanced to the point that we can make contact with them. So let's, uh, you know, send someone in their form, in their likeness to use the biblical there. Um to to make contact with them except you know they they've lost all comprehension of of the physical world and so instead of sending a person they send a baby that's the size of the planet 
that, that, that the baby thing at the end there just loses me on, 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 on any rationale. Sure. But, but now I, I, to... that, that, uh, that concept of, you know, not understanding it and maybe, you know, this is how our, our minds are either grip are dealing with it, this guy's mind, or they are, you know, projecting themselves that, that right there, when that happened, I thought, okay, this is what this happened. Maybe you know, like when the guy's eating, I thought maybe this, right. like, he like looks like a monster really. And he's eating terribly, horribly, but he, since he's like, got some mental powers we'll say for lack of a better term he can make him see him just as eating dinner yeah or he's or he's imagining it in a matrix kind of way yeah, in um, a matrix kind of way right so i can now get that. to 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 now to turn that back around and sort of embrace the the substance part of your argument um i i sort of half watched this movie because i've seen it before mm-hmm. um I will not deny this movie is incredibly slow. Oh my god! Um, if oh you god. put together my explanation of of the monkeys from the beginning and the explanation I just gave my my interpretation of the ending, I can explain the whole thing in forty five seconds. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. But and so for me to like give this movie my full attention, um, th- there has to be some chemical in my system that is shutting down the because i have a very active mind mm-hmm. um it has to be like very very much slowing down or whatever that that part of my consciousness for me to be able to focus on something this slow oh my god so so people who would listen to our thing about seven samurai knew that i my my biggest complaint was that it was so long and it was just a trudge to get through but I liked the movie in general. Just that was difficult. This makes it feel like a short, that, that show. It's, it's <laughs> that bad. And if you want to know what I'm and talking about, spend five minutes, the first five minutes with this movie. You'll watch three and a half minutes of Black Dissonance. You'll watch the, uh, was it Wagner's thing? Where it's the bum, 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 ba-da. And then uh, you'll watch yeah. two and a half minutes of the Arizona countryside as he takes pictures just flipping back and forth and back and forth for two and a half to three minutes. And you're like, yeah, that's what this show is. You're going to set yourself up to watch all that. I forgot about that dissonance thing because I thought it was broken. I was like, is my, cause I was watching it on Plex. I'm like, is this, is there not, is my picture not working? No, it might just, he just wants to like put you in a terrible mood. It's about setting the tone of what he wants you to feel. Yeah. And so that's where I say that for, you know, that I call more so than anything else we've seen on this list and probably will, though we have a couple more Kubrick movies. Oh um, God. <laughs> this, this movie is art with a capital a and yes. all that that implies every I, bit of it. Yes. I don't, I don't mean it as praise or derision, but a little bit of both. Right. Um, I, I think you said that really well. I think, I think that adding that to the conversation is probably the best thing to say for this movie, because if, you you can appreciate well, something we didn't get to talk about was the other art thing I wanted to, you sent me wanted to talk about but art can be art can be appreciated in many different ways and I have a lot of art appreciation for a lot of things I really like high art I can really appreciate but if it if art abstract art is something that really moves you this is a good movie for you to watch this will work for you I think I think you can if you can wa- look at a piece of abstract art and find something within it. You can watch this show probably in all the scenes and take it for its whole thing. And I bet 
Dennis is right. You can see things and look deeper and find that psychedelic trip. And this is not an old thing that people stopped doing. No, no, um, no, for sure. I, I think of any movie where the ending's unclear, where the ending's open to interpretation. Um, I mean, you know, The Shining, another Kubrick movie, same way. They get to the end and, you know, those events happen. But, like, what does that really mean? Um you know, what actually happened? There's weird, like, stuff with time and loops and all of that, and you're questioning it. Um, I will more say those recently, are generally unsatisfying for me, like, on the whole. Sure. Like, um, the uh, um, um, Inception, right, more recently, that's Nolan, I think? Nolan does some of this kind yeah. of stuff, like um, uh, Memento, right? right. You, you get to the end of Memento, and you fairly well understand everything there's no like big question right but your your mind is so challenged by the way the story is told that you're you know at least for me at the time when i first watched it you're still thinking about it for days afterward and this movie i'm gonna i don't know somewhere back there when i said the thing about art with a capital a we'll make that the transition into final judgments sure um this movie is one where you maybe, like I did in the spoiler section, you know, decide on an interpretation of the ending that is satisfactory, satisfying to you, um, and stop there. But <laughs> just end the, the movie at a certain point. Well, I mean, just decide that the ending means X and say that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> that's the weirdest way to watch a movie. <laughs> th there, there is, there is no clear ending, and. If I were to say, who, you know, there's no to, story to wrap up, right? There's there's nothing there. Yeah, to get into, um, you know, whether or not whether or not this goes on a list, I would say, um, this is definitely the most challenging of anything we've seen on this list so far. Um, there's some like like City of God is challenging from a from a social consciousness perspective um challenging Marian... when you say challenging do you mean challenging to find a meaning to find a purpose to find or just like i, I don't want to say i don't want to say difficult but like like challenging to watch like watching it <laughs> yeah. is not like watching a... it is not fun it's not entertainment except <laughs> For... in the sense that like you're watching a movie it's you know almost by definition entertainment right. but something that like challenging in the way that it makes you think it makes you try to decide and interpret what's going on you know i can think of very few things that are i, would, I don't even know if i call this sci-fi i call it art sci-fi sure well the only reason i bring up sci-fi is that if you're interested in like the history right the thing that some people do some people don't do for me i i can't imagine like completely ignoring but I mean, just if you if you don't know anything else, then this happened in between um, um, the Apollo, the original the... Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. It's before the moon landing, while Star Trek's happening, ten years before Star Wars, vaguely, um, and just look at the like first all the special effects, but then the like the portrayal of space just in a. Um, from a historical perspective, like just to see it once. Sure. Now um, I, I will say that uh, for my part, there are 
at least a hundred better movies that fit that category that can go in there and can do better for you for that. You can spend your time watching better <laughs> movies. You can go watch Apollo 13 and get better historical stuff about stuff. And you can watch Forbidden Planet and you can watch Star Trek. You can watch a lot of shows that are better science fiction of the time and for the time than this movie. There's there's so much more things you can spend your time on. I, I think, matter of fact, I, if I could, if I had a hundred list of movies that I would recommend people never to watch, this one may be on it. <laughs> because I, I would, I would hate, I can't even think of any of my friends or enemies that I would say, you know what you should do? You should go watch that 2001 A Space Odyssey. You should spend an afternoon and do that. You're going to be a better person because of that. Or you're going to be happy or you're going to be experience something. I don't think anyone I know I would I would feel terrible telling them that. that that's that's how bad I feel because they would come. I think they would come back and they would blame me for wasting mm. times in their lives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm all about setting expectations. I think <laughs> if you if you want to have a good time, if you want to be entertained, 100. percent I agree with you. This is not either of those things. <laughs> I think the the only reason this goes on your list is if either you know maybe you're watching all Kubrick films or something. Uh, I've not seen a Kubrick film that I would recommend above this, though we have two more on the list. Dr. Strangelove is probably better. I'd probably though... put The Shining above this one. Yeah, right. that's, a, that's, that's a tough call for me. Um, <laughs> wow, that's pretty big. That's, that's a statement. I thought you liked The Shining more. <laughs> I, I liked it better on the second watch, but it's still, still that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's whatever. I mean, more things happened. So, I mean, I right, think right. unless you're, Unless you're going from like a film appreciation kind of like experience all the <laughs> right. all the things. The, like, this is definitely a, a film you would have in film appreciation class that everyone would be like, oh, my God, I have to watch this because the professor requires it. Sure. It's just a <laughs> this is this is something unlike anything else. It's, you know, it's fully art. <laughs> it's, you know, the ending is unclear. But yeah. Right. All right. So what, what do we have for next week? We get now. We have our, as we mentioned before, we're going to have a, a special weekend where we've got Dennis and, and our buddy Fox from uh, Geek Scholar Movie News coming in this week, and Jill as well from Geek Scholar Movie News, and they're going to come in, and we're going to um, play games all weekend long and have a good time, yep. and we're going yep. to hopefully watch a movie. What movie should we watch, Dennis? Uh, well, since we're going to be all together hanging out, being stupid, playing board games, um, I went with an easy pick uh and that is ghostbusters 2 now clarify that for us ghostbusters 2 is not in the top 100 movies right dennis the poster has original ghostbusters but you and i watched ghostbusters before we started doing this poster so instead of watching it again and talking about it again uh you know people can go back and find that episode let's do it if they really (laughs) want to but um i figured we would just watch the second one because i think the second one is good right I'll leave that to you to talk about next week. How's that? Okay. Okay. I mean, I had never seen... um, The first one, right? I had never seen the first one before we watched it for... uh, for this podcast, well, I, I will, so I will, I will set I've you obviously up with also this. Never seen is that is that I enjoyed it. For, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's just what it. It's like more time with the Ghostbusters. So, mm. but not quite as good as your first outing type thing. So okay. it, it, you, you, however you felt about that one, I wouldn't expect more than that. 
for the second one. Um, okay. Right. More Peter Venkman, more Egon Spangler, you know, that kind of stuff. Right on. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to watch that cause it is kind of a, a lighthearted thing. All right. So we did it. We made it. Woo. Okay. You've been listening to the front porch. This is episode 126. Thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars, movie news and LRM online. If you like star Trek, role-playing or star trek role-playing check out our other podcast it is called klingons and dragons that's klingons and we just put up an episode last week two weeks ago uh when at the time this airs um it is a star trek adventures role-playing podcast it is not safe for work if you have comments or feedback on the show tell us your interpretation of the super weird ending of 2001 space odyssey uh you can email us at frontporchpod at gmail.com or go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. There are contact forms. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies, though we're jumping around here. Uh, I'll get that updated before next week. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Front Porch. All right, everybody. See you next time.